Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. Good morning. All right. Praise God. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. Um, well, in the first service, I got to share over there this morning, and they did a, a traditional hymn that just really spoke to me, and it's, it was, um, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Well, folks, today you're going to hear my story. Hmm. And for those of you who don't know my story, buckle up. We're going to go on a wild ride today. Um, you know, but, but before we do, before we get into anything, um, I want to go to the throne of grace and mercy together. So let's bow our hearts and let's prepare to receive something from God today that's special, okay? So bow your hearts with me and let's talk to God. Oh, Lord Jesus. I want to thank you for your redeeming grace. Lord, I want to thank you for saving my soul. I want to thank you for such a great place and such a great group of hearts, Lord, to come and worship and dig into your word, Lord. Father, I pray that you would put your finger right on our hearts today, Lord, and move in our lives in a way that only you can. Jesus, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross, Lord, so that people would see your cross and then the empty grave. Lord, help me to decrease so that you would increase. I pray that you would just use me, Jesus. It's in your precious, holy, amazing, wonderful name I pray. And all God's children said, amen. Whew. All right. Um, so... I want to get started, and I do want to show that picture when we get started. Are we ready with that? Not yet? Okay. So we're going to give him another minute on that. Um, I'm going to show you a picture, and, and I want to preface it with this, okay? Two things. One, there is no shame at the empty grave. Because some people would say, Tony, aren't you embarrassed to put that picture up there of you? No. No, I'm not. You see, Christ took away that shame at the cross. And I'm looking at an empty grave. I was a dead man, a slave to sin and addiction. I'm no longer that man anymore. And he took that shame away so that I can show this picture and maybe instill some hope to someone who's stuck in that life of addiction. Okay? Because there's a lost world that needs it. Needs hope. So. It's, um, it's been a long journey getting to this point. It has not been an easy one. It has been really, really tough. 
it's also been really, really worth it. Okay? I promise you this, folks. If it's hard, it's usually from God. (laughs) He's going to challenge you. Like Kevin was talking about the zip line and being challenged. They wanted a a bigger challenge when they found that zip line. God's going to challenge you. And he's not going to stop. So we're just going to get started. And when you get that picture, just put it up there. Um, I want people to see where I was and, and, and how far God has brought me. Some of you have probably already seen the picture on Facebook. Um, but I'm going to tell you, I was going down some roads that I had no business being on. Let me give you a little history. For 20-something years, I had been a tree climber, and I had ran my own business. And I would climb trees. I would, I would take a chainsaw, a rope, and I'd strap spikes on my feet, and I would climb 60-plus feet up in the air every day. And I would tie in, and I would rest back in that rope, and I would come down that tree and cut and trim, and, and, and I, would, I would do that every day so that I could provide. You know... I had a natural propensity for adrenaline. That kind of job was perfect for me. Loving adrenaline the way I did. So when methamphetamines was introduced into my life, it was not a hard jump for me. It fit like a hand in a glove for me. And it was easy. Folks, sin is usually easy. Okay? I got wrapped up into that lifestyle. You see, it was more than just addiction. The addiction was a byproduct of other sins in my life that I wanted to cover up. You see, I didn't want to feel. It's not that I wanted to feel good or high. I just didn't want to feel at all. And by getting high, I could numb that. Sure, I liked it, or I wouldn't have kept doing it. Sure, it was fun. The Bible says that sin is fun for a season. But it's a vicious cycle to get trapped in, folks. Very vicious. So, I started headlong onto a journey down some roads I really didn't need to be on. And I stand before you. I'm about six foot two-ish, and I'm... 220 pounds. I am a redeemed, healthy man right now. But when I got arrested, I was 140 pounds. I was the shell of a man. Mm. Hard to look at sometimes when I see the picture myself. You know, I had to get that far down, though. I had to be at the end of me before God could work on me. I'll never forget the day I got arrested. It was July the 5th. It's the day after Independence Day. 
My independence was taken from me. I became codependent on the state. That morning I'd got up and I'd left. I'd left with a Lucky Charms cereal box, 19 and a half ounce cereal box stuffed with $100 bills and then duct taped. I knew that it was $77,000 in that cereal box because it weighed 22.2 pounds on my scales. That's how I counted the money. I tell you that so that you can know just how far I was in. Hard to look at, isn't it? Yeah. Let that marinate for a minute, y'all. That's where it's going to take you if you go down that road. You'll end up looking like that guy on the left. Not proud of him at all. But God. And then there's the picture on the right. Amen. All right, let's bring that down because it's going to distract everybody while I speak, I can tell. (laughs) So that morning I had left with a cereal box full of $100 bills, and it it was $77,000. I was doing that every two weeks. I was taking that to a couple of cartel members, and I would pick up a trailer vehicle. I would take it to Atlanta to a chop shop. And they would cut that vehicle open, and we would get 10 kilos of dope out of that. And then I would come back down and across the southeast distributing methamphetamine. I'm not proud of that. I took part in destroying so many lives doing that. But God. You see... That morning, July the 5th, I had just dropped off that cereal box full of money to two cartel members. I knew them quite well. We, we met every two weeks on a regular basis for about two and a half years. That's how long I did that. I wasn't worried about them. But when I got to Atlanta and I had to make my trip back, I needed somebody to ride with me with a pistol to protect me. So I had picked up a friend, (laughs) and I paid him with dope to ride with me to make this run. So we were on the way to pick up his pistol after dropping off the money and then go get the trailered vehicle, and on the way to get the pistol, I got pulled over by Baldwin County Sheriff's. God's timing is perfect, folks. You see, 10 minutes prior, I would have been arrested with an amount of cash that would have caught me a federal charge. 10 minutes later, I would have been caught with a gun and dope, also a federal charge. But because God's timing is perfect, I got caught right in between those two things. Mm. Now the guy riding with me 
We'll, we'll call him Michael. Michael threw the dope in the floorboard. We, he wasn't going to claim it. Neither was I. But because of my record with that little bit of dope that we had, I was looking at 15 years to life. Because I'd been in and out of prison. Okay? I have a very colorful past. And I knew it. I knew I was looking at serious time. Well, they arrested me. They arrested Michael. We both went to jail. And I don't remember the, the process right when I hit the doors. You see, I know what happens because I've been in and out so much that I know what they were going to do. They're going to put me in a holding tank. Then they were going to send me to classification, which is a pod where they classify you so they can put you in, a, in another area with like-minded criminals. That's a great idea, right? <laughs> so, but I don't remember that classification process. Because that guy that was on the left up there, he had to, he had to sleep. <laughs> he hadn't seen rest for a long time. So I slept through that classification process. And as I was coming to and starting to sober up, I had been classified. And they put me into H block. Okay? Let me describe H block for you. You see, most pods are twice the size of H-block and only have two men to a cell. But H-block was half that size and had four men to a cell. We were packed in there like sardines. And I can remember coming into that pod carrying my mat and my just bag of indigent supplies, toilet paper, toothpaste, stuff they, they give you. And just the sobering thought of, man, I'm going to be here a while. Oh. I had no money. You see, I'd just given everything I had to the cartel. I mean, I had no money. Most of the time, you get arrested, whatever's in your wallet, they'll put it on the books for you so that you can buy store or commissary while you're in there. Okay? I didn't have that. I had no money. So I wasn't going to buy, be able to buy store or any kind of commissary while I was there. See, once a week they'll come around and they'll give you soups, coffee, you know, different things that you can purchase off store, hygiene items. Um, I didn't have that. I had nothing. I didn't have anyone that would answer a phone call for me outside because I had effectively burnt every bridge on the way in there all the way to the waterline. No one of my family members would talk to me. Not one. I come from a big family. That hurts. Had no money on the books. And then I got some more sobering news. I got no court date. I got a letter from the court that said, Mr. Carpenter, we're going to bind your case over to grand jury. You see, here's what that means. You get arrested, you get locked up, you go to jail. Then they usually come at you with a court date, and a court date comes with an offer. And an offer is usually probation so they can keep you in the system and out of jail. So they can make money off of you. So, they didn't do that for me because of my record. So now we're going to bind your case over to grand jury. So that meant... 
that I was going to sit in the county jail for two years. Mm. Two years before I could even see a judge. That was sobering, folks. Mm. That was hard. So I'm going into H block. And I'm walking up the stairs. And I'm finding my cell. And when I get to my cell, there's three other guys in there. I'll never forget them. Kawan, Fabian, and Jonathan. And they're all reading their Bibles. And I thought, that's cool. That's cool. As long as they don't push that God thing on me, that's, that's cool. God had different plans. So glad he did. Kawan, rather large black guy. When I say rather large, he's a big man. And remember, I'm 140 pounds. I'm not very big. Kawan looks at me, and he looks through me, and he reads me like a book. He knew exactly where I was in life. And Kawan, he took his Bible, and he put it in my chest. And I, and I don't mean that he put it in. I mean, he said, and he said, you need this. I was about ready to swing. I ain't going to lie. But I knew what I was going to be swinging against. I figured I better not. It, it made me mad for two reasons, okay? One who are you to tell me what I need? You're in jail too. And two, he was right. I did need that. Mm. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me today to Psalms chapter 37. We're going to look at verse 5 and 6. So, I'm sitting in this jail cell. I have Kawan's Bible in my lap. And I had a conversation with God that I really didn't want anyone to hear. But didn't care if they did. You see, I was at the end of my rope. I was finally at the end of me. And I was ready for something different. And I got over being mad somewhat. Somewhat. And I took that Bible and I slammed it open. And that's the scripture it came to. Psalms 37, 5 and 6. And my eyes went straight to it. For whatever reason, the Holy Spirit directed my eyes right to that piece of Scripture. Now, that Scripture has four parts. 
It says this. It says, give yourself to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will help you. Here's the fourth part. He will make your righteousness shine like the noonday sun. Mm. Well, I told God if you're real, then prove it. And He showed me that scripture. So I figured I better take, take heed. And for the first time in my life, I'm reading a, a Bible. And I'm not just reading words off a page. You see, for the first time in my life, not only did I see what the Word said, but I saw what it didn't say. Here's what I mean. Give yourself to the Lord. Here's what it didn't say. Give most of you to God. It said, give yourself to the Lord. It didn't say, give most of you to God, but that one little thing you like to hold on to over here. No, it said, give yourself to the Lord. So that meant 100%. I had to give it all. Hmm. Well, I had another conversation with God. But before I had that conversation, I wanted to know just exactly what I was going to give to him. So I borrowed a state pen and somebody's old store receipt paper. And listen, when you borrow a state pen, you really have nothing. Okay, I had nothing. So I borrowed this pen and I got this scratch piece of paper and I started to make a list of what I was going to give to God. Because I wanted to know if I was going to do this, I was really going to do it. So what am I giving to God? So I started writing. And I wrote, I'm an addict. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a horrible father. And I couldn't go any further. You see, that's, that's hard to look at. So I crumpled up that piece of paper and I threw it into the corner of the cell. I couldn't stand to look at who I was. But God. So... I told God I had that conversation. Again, I didn't want anyone to hear, but didn't care if they did. Because it was no longer about what they thought about me that mattered. And I told God, I said, all right, God. I'm yours. God, you got my trash can. And when I say trash can, I'm putting a pretty red bow on it because it was worse than a trash can. Okay? So I gave myself to the Lord. Then, 
The next piece of that verse says, trust in him. Well, I know how to trust. And I know how to trust completely with my life. Remember, I'm a tree climber. I climb 60-something feet up in the air. I get to the top of the tree. I take my rope. And I tie my Blake's hitch knot in my rope. I first hook to my belt. And I rest back into that rope. And I trust that rope with my life as I do my work for the day. So I know what it is to trust. And I know what it is to trust completely with my life. Here's what I didn't know. I didn't know how to tie God in a knot and hook him to my belt, y'all. Hmm. I had to get a hold of this. So Kawan, whose Bible I have, is kind of walking me through this process. He says, Tony, I want you to read in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. And then I want you to read in Romans a little bit. He gave me some references, so I read them. And then... I read the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in a day. You see, when you're in a cell by yourself with a Bible, you can read. So I started reading. And I realized that the first four books of the New Testament, they're the same story about Jesus. They're just written from different perspectives. And this Jesus that I've let into my life... What, man, how powerful the things that he was able to do. His life, he gave it for, up for us. So I'm, I'm reading this scripture and I'm pouring it in, but I keep going back to Psalms 37, 5, and 6. But I figure out that whole trust thing. Give yourself to the Lord, trust in him. It's faith. And this faith thing, to keep it real simple, folks, is this. This is what I understood. Believe God's going to do what He said He's going to do. It's that simple. No, it's not easy. It's simple. Because when you're locked up in a jail cell looking at 15 years to life with no court date, you don't know how God's going to fix that. You can't see the end. But you have to trust. And so I did. And I started talking to God every day. All right, Lord, I'm trusting. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you said that you'll fix this. So I'm trusting that you will. Give yourself to the Lord, trust in Him. And then the third part of that verse says what? It says, and He will help you. When I read that, I, I, I also understood what it didn't say. And this is, y'all, this is the Holy Spirit working on me. Okay? The Holy Spirit opened up my mind and my heart to receive what He had to tell me through this Scripture. You see... Give yourself to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will help you. Here's what it didn't say. Give yourself to the Lord, trust in Him, and He'll do it for you. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But it said He would help me. You see, faith can move mountains. You've read that, right? 
but you better bring your shovel. Okay? It takes work. It takes stepping out on your faith to see things change. Okay? So give yourself to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will help you. At first, I didn't notice the help. It was actually pointed out to me because Kawan told me, he said, Tony, have you realized that uh, you quit cussing? Listen, I had a mouth when I hit them doors that was horrible. The things that came out of this mouth, I'm ashamed of. But you see, I started reading this Bible, and I started putting different stuff in, and then different stuff came out. I quit cussing. Okay? When someone would get around me in that cell, and they would start cussing, or the the topic of speech was deplorable, how many of you have ever put your fingernails on a chalkboard and... I can see some of you squirming in your seats right now. That's what that language did to my soul. So I backed away from those conversations. See, God really changed and started working on me. And I saw the help. Give yourself to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will help you. I saw the help. Wow, there's something to this. I never thought I'd quit cussing. I didn't even try. It's something God worked out in my soul. Now, the last part of that scripture was something I struggled with. I want you to know, I I fought with this last piece of scripture for a long time. See the last part of that verse? It says, He will make your righteousness shine like the noonday sun. Hmm. Well, if you remember... My righteousness was crumpled up on a piece of paper in the corner of that cell. How is that going to shine like the noonday sun? I I didn't get it. I struggled with this. and, and, And I prayed about it. And I talked to God. And I was just completely consumed with the fact that, all right, Lord, I don't see it. I do not see how that is going to be made good. Hmm. And so, uh, that's when it happened. Kawan, who sees me going through this whole process and is kind of walking me through this, he comes back to the cell and he's got two cups of coffee. Remember, I didn't have any commissary store, coffee, none of that. And he's got two cups. He's not drinking them both. One of those cups is for me. Hmm. Look, coffee in there is like gold. For him to come to me with a cup of coffee was really unusual. Okay? 
But he comes in there and he hands me a cup of coffee and he says, Tony, you're just trying too hard, man. You're, you're trying too hard. You need to quit trying to hold on and just be held. Mm. Boy, he said a mouthful right then. And he hands me that cup of coffee. And look, man, that coffee was precious. Okay? It was very, very precious. I'm holding on to this cup of coffee. The smell just filled up the cell. I breathed it in. I didn't even take a sip. I was just... And really, I think Kawan just wanted his Bible back. <laughs> but God used him in that cup of coffee because right then, as I'm holding this cup of coffee, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Tony, you're that cup of coffee. What? I'm this cup of coffee? Yeah, you're that cup of coffee. For 40-something years, you have been putting whatever you wanted into that cup. Whatever bad relationship, whatever drug, whatever lie, whatever you wanted, you've been putting into that cup. And now, I've asked you to give me your cup. Give yourself to the Lord. Give Him my cup. Trust in Him. Let go of the cup. <laughs> and He will help you. He took my cup and He put it under the faucet of the Holy Spirit. And He turned it on a drip. And I read this scripture and it dripped into my cup. And I read this scripture and it dripped into my cup. And I read some more and it kept dripping into my cup. And eventually, it forced out everything that was in my cup. You see, it's Jesus Christ that lives in here now. And it's His righteousness that now shines like the noonday sun. It's not mine. It's imputed righteousness. It's Christ that lives in me that shines. Man, that was it, y'all. That was the aha moment for me. That was where the light bulb clicked on, and I finally got it. You see, it's not my righteousness. It never was. It's Christ. It's His righteousness that shines like the noonday sun. I drew a line in the sand, so to speak, threw my hat over the fence, Whatever you want to say. There was no looking back for me at that point. God got a hold of me, folks, in that jail cell. And let me tell you something. He hadn't let me go yet. And he ain't gonna. Just like that illustration up here earlier. Sometimes we want to run away from God, but he still got us. He won't let you go. 
I want to read something to you that I wrote. And um, it's what Psalms 37, 5, and 6 did for me. Okay? I have to wear these, y'all. Getting old. I gave myself to the Lord. 100% complete. I held nothing back. I put it all at His feet. I learned how to trust, and with patience I wait. It was His labor of love and my lesson in faith. Through His love came His help, and with it came change. His Holy Spirit started to work and ignited the flames. The flames started to spread and the mission begun. Then His righteousness shined like the noonday sun. Now I am truly amazed and totally blessed, being forged in the fire and put to the test. Like iron that's folded and then quenched in oil, with His Word in my heart, like a seed in good soil. My daily walk is producing good spiritual fruit. I can't deny this change, His love, the truth. I share it with all without hesitation. It's the good news of love that I found through salvation. You know, this testimony that I get to share is not about me. It's about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It's about His magnificent, redeeming power. It's about His mercy. It's about His love. And I'm going to close. If there, and if there's anyone here that would like to experience God and start a relationship with Him today, the altar's open. Come on down. Find out more about First Baptist Church Gulf Breeze at fbcgulfbreeze.org.